0: My name's Adrian Goldberg and welcome to the Byline Times podcast. The Byline Times, it's what the papers don't say, what radio doesn't report and what telly doesn't tell you. This time, Carrygate, or the story that disappeared and what it might tell us about British media Today. An article written by respected political journalist Simon Walters claimed that when Prime Minister Boris Johnson was Foreign Secretary between 2016 and 2018, he tried to get his then-girlfriend Carrie Simmons appointed as his chief of staff with a six-figure salary and was only persuaded not to after colleagues threatened to resign. At the time, the couple were having an affair. Simmons is, of course, now Mrs Johnson. The story appeared on page five of the Times on Saturday the 18th of June, but was withdrawn from later editions and isn't available on the paper's digital archive either, amid allegations that Downing Street lent on both the Times and the Mail Online to pull it. We'll hear in a moment from Byline Times executive editor Peter Dukes and our Westminster and political correspondent... Adam Bienkoff. Before we do, just a reminder that the Byline Times podcast is funded by subscribers to the Byline Times, our brilliant monthly newspaper, and no one tells us what to say or not to say, we can report without fear or favour because we don't dance to the tune of a wealthy proprietor. Instead, we rely on ordinary readers and listeners taking out subscriptions. So please subscribe to the Byline Times if you can. You'll get details of how to subscribe at our news-breaking website, bylinetimes.com. That's bylinetimes.com. And if you've already taken out a subscription... Thank you. Let's talk now to Adam Bienkoff, then, fresh from a Downing Street briefing. What do we know about this story now, Adam?
1: Yes, so I spent the morning at a briefing with uh, the Prime Minister's official spokesperson and also talking to Downing Street sources. And what I have gathered from those conversations are, first of all, Downing Street are not denying this story on the record. That's the crucial point. I asked them multiple times, his official spokesperson today, to give a on-the-record denial, and he refused to do so. He said... And I quote, I don't comment on what the Prime Minister did before he was Prime Minister, which seems a sort of curious uh, choice of words for the Prime Minister's official spokesman. I I think the obvious response which I gave was, well, who are we meant to ask? And he, he then pointed to denials by... Carrie Johnson's spokesperson uh, and some other sort of political sources, etc, but again they were not uh, not going to give an official denial from Downing Street that this story uh, is not correct. Um, The second thing I learned is that Downing Street did talk to the Times in between them printing the story in their first edition and it being taken down, although they would not say what they said to the Times. Um, And they they did also admit that they did not give an on-the-record denial to the Times. So Simon Waters in his piece for the European was right about that. They did not give him an on-the-record denial. And they did not explain why they did not give him an on-the-record denial. Um, they They wouldn't say if the Prime Minister had spoken personally to Tony Gallagher. Um, But it is worth saying that Tony Gallagher and Johnson are quite close. They were famously photographed jogging together at a Conservative conference in 2017 uh, when Theresa May was in trouble and there was talk about Boris Johnson taking over as leader. Um, but Dan sources, I mean, there's been some speculation this morning that there's, there was legal threats or a super injunction, this kind of thing. Dan sources saying that's not the case. There have been no legal threats whatsoever, no super injunctions. Uh, this was purely a decision taken by the Times to take it down. So there were conversations had. There, there clearly was pressure put on the Times. It doesn't seem like that was legal pressure. And we don't know what was said. But again, they're not completely denying the story. And lots of publications now have verified the Times Origin story. Lots of journalists, uh, the, the, the I have verified it. Uh, the Guardian have independently verified it. So, I mean, I would be amazed if this story, at least the central part of it, was false. I, I think it's highly likely that the story that he tried to get a job for Carrie Johnson. It's true, not least because he's, he's done similar things in, in the past. Um, the Jennifer R. Curie revelations about him getting favours for her as, when he was Mayor of London. And as I say, there hasn't been official denial. So I think it's, it's undoubtedly that at least the core of this story is true. Um, what we don't know is why the Times took it down and why they allowed themselves to be pressured into doing that.
0: Uh, Tony Gallagher, of course, is the editor of The Times. And Simon Walters, the journalist who you referenced there, has told both the New European newspaper and The Guardian that he stands by the story. And normally, if you make an error as a journalist, the publication Mm -hmm. in question would print an apology or a retraction. And that's what's weird in this case. There's no apology. There's no retraction. The journalist is standing by the story. But the news outlet, The Times, has simply deleted it.
1: And it, it makes it very difficult for other journalists as well, because we, you know, you don't know if you're putting yourself in legal jeopardy by repeating the story because the Times haven't explained why it was taken down. Um, and it's very unusual for a paper to take a, a big story like, like this down, particularly when there hasn't even been, as we understand it, any legal threats against them. So it seems like they voluntarily chose to took it down um, on, as we understand it, Tony Gallagher, the deputy editor of the Times, who was in charge that day, um, took it down after speaking, or at least after somebody at the time spoke to Downing Street about it. Um, so it's, it's there's still a mystery. And I think it's quite remarkable that the, the prime minister spokesman still won't, won't give a denial of this story. Um, and is instead relying on a spokesperson for the prime minister's wife, which is actually a bizarre sort of situation that we find ourselves in. Now.
0: And Peter Jukes, in this gap of knowledge, we are left to, I suppose, make our own deductions.
2: Well, I don't think it's so much of a deduction and having spoken to other people with knowledge of this story, that it's been spiked. And what does that amount to? That amounts to political censorship. There seems to be no legal or factual problems with the story itself. And obviously, it's embarrassing for the prime minister uh, and his partner, but a huge public interest because this was a well-paid job of 100,000 or so. And there's a history of favors and benefits. Uh, Adam mentioned the Jennifer Curry scandal and she got a you know, contract while he was mayor of London. This is public money. It's not about private lives. This is about the public purse. And the most disturbing thing to me of all is the Times, you know, supposed to be the, re- the newspaper of record, has now been the newspaper of censorship. Uh, it's available online. There's what they call the Streisand effect. You remember that favorite famous story of Barbara Streisand tried to hide the location of a new house and it just went viral on the internet. This story, it's been, if you if you like, it's been covered up in a cack-handed way. But it speaks to something Hardy, uh, editor Hardy Matharu has written about on Byline Times today. Something well, obviously I've been working on for quite a while. Uh, but our team have increasingly noticed, which is, you know, the private interests of press proprietors and their political pundits. Some of them, like Gove and Johnson, the columnists for these newspapers, expressing their private interests above the public interests. And this can't go on. It makes the press a laughing stock. It also doesn't help those like Johnson and Mrs. Johnson who have been, um, you know if you like, exposed or elements published, because the publics don't, won't look away. And this goes back, I'll say one final thing on this. Uh, I've, I've republished a great article by Jim Cusick of The Independent, who actually left The Independent to write this story about how John Whittingdale's private relationship with a dominatrix have been covered up by four different newspaper groups, and every time They went to Whittingdale to comment he, as cultural secretary or chair of the DCMS, changed his tune on press regulation. That's where you get a conflict of interest. And now this story relates to today, because as Craig Oliver wrote in his book, Unleashing Demons, about his time as David Cameron's press supremo, it was none other than Carrie Simmons, as she was then, who was the the spad for John Whittingdale, who sort of fixed the story for him. So... You know, in a way, Mrs. Johnson has a has had a political role. She has her own spokesperson, who seems to be the only source the Downing Street are referring to. And as Adam points out, this these journalism in a very tricky state. Can you rely on the story? I think I think you can from everything we're witnessing. And what we can't rely on is our Prime Minister once again to tell the truth. And now is co-opted in a paper of, like, 200-year history into his own mendacity.
0: And, of course, on Byline Times with our colleague Sam Bright, we highlighted the Bungs for Billionaires story, the story that during the pandemic, these extremely wealthy owners of a small number of newspaper groups were the beneficiaries of taxpayer cash to in inverted commas, bail them out because these were difficult times for the newspaper industry, but we were bailing out people who were stupendously wealthy in many cases, people like Rupert Murdoch, people like the Barclay brothers who run the Daily Telegraph, people like Lord Rothermere who runs the Daily Mail and Mail Online. And and you've
2: neglected to mention... Alexander and Evgeny Lebedev, who uh, run the Evening Standard, and though I think the father, former KGB officer, is now withdrawn, and which relied heavily on traffic, uh, foot traffic during COVID lockdowns, and and it runs along with his son, Evgeny. I mean, you know, we saw and we have tracked... By the way, that story first came to light two years ago by Brian Cathcart. It was only when Dominic Cummings, the former Number 10 advisor, advisor Boris Johnson called them COVID bungs and said he was in the room when those calls came in. But we realized that our story about millions, I mean, I think the estimates up to 100 million in in place sponsored content by the government to these newspapers during COVID came to light. Meanwhile, we also know, thanks to Dominic Cummings and the meeting, Sam Bright and others have tracked, he, he would meet newspaper proprietors much more regularly than any other person in any other industry. You know, other industries are much bigger. He would just look at their editorials and change his COVID regulations according to what the newspapers were saying. I mean, it's an untenable position, I think, when a small number of often publicly school-educated men, nearly invariably, are controlling not only government policy, what the the public gets to know about government policy, um, I just don't know how much longer this can go on, Adrian. It just is, 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 is not only breaking trust in the government, in the press. It leads to a situation where, you know, really our democracy cannot function if there's no accurate information about the scandals or even just basic information coming about because the newspapers themselves are compromised.
0: Yeah, and worth repeating, Adam, that a spokesperson for Carrie Johnson said that the claims are totally untrue. Downing Street, which has declined to give an on-the-record response, has even suggested that it was sexist, but hasn't denied Mm -hmm. that a conversation took place between Downing Street and the deputy editor of The Times, Tony Gallagher. So, in in a sense, the, the, the truth of the story, although that is very important, is almost less important than the government leaning on a newspaper to retract something yeah. that it doesn't I mean, like.
1: I mean, on those denials, it's worth saying that Carrie Johnson is not in an official position. So her, any denial coming from her or her office doesn't carry the same weight as if it, it came from number 10. Um, and when, when government doesn't want to officially deny something, they often give off the record denials, calling it sexist, etc. So I don't think we can carry uh, too much weight on that. And But of course... We the, the the prime minister's media team has got a recent record of repeatedly lying to the press uh, over recent months, uh, most notably over the partygate scandal, in which we were repeatedly told there were no parties and all rules were were kept, and uh, later we, we, we realised that we'd been sort of routinely and, and uh, methodically lied to over over weeks and months. And so the the fact that the on this story, the Prime Minister's spokesman won't even give an off-the-record now I think, it tells you everything you need to know about um, how reliable this story is. But I, I, I think, as Peter says, uh, the, we already knew that we couldn't trust what Boris Johnson said. We already knew we couldn't trust what his spokespeople said. Uh, but what this is now bringing in, uh, into doubt is the, the reliability of the times, which is you know, for for whatever its faults in some areas, does have excellent journalists there and uh, does have a good record of breaking big stories like this. And actually, it's worth saying that a lot lot of other Times journalists... um, quite unhappy about this the fact that this was taken down um, and believe there was a sort of high level intervention uh, with the editor of the paper in order to get this taken down but it does destroy trust in a lot of the good work that some investigative journalists have done at at the times and of course Simon Waters as well who is a multi-award winning journalist and has never had his credibility questioned on these kinds of stories before.
0: And indeed, Peter, the story first appeared in 2018, I believe, in Lord Ashcroft's biography of Boris Johnson. No legal action was taken against Lord Ashcroft, who, of course, has been a a Conservative Party treasurer and a big party donor over the years. Simon Walters put a bit more flesh on it and checked it with numerous sources. So there's certainly no reason to, to disbelieve the story, but it does pose big questions about whether in Britain, In 2022, we live in a free society in which journalists can report truthfully about those in power in our country. That's a scary, scary thing to have to confront.
2: It's very scary, Adrian. Yes. I mean, I think there is a big difference between what Simon Walters did and what was in the Ashcroft book. There's much more detail. He obviously created a proper story out of it. Ashcroft they might have wanted to deny and didn't make it to the front pages. Though I believe the Mail has been serialising some of Ashcroft's um, biography of of the Prime Minister and his partner, but very much from inside sources, I know, (laughs) burying the lead. Um, And, uh, you know, the one thing is like, you know, we have a feral press. It's always, that's what Tony Blair complained of, didn't he, Leveson, the feral press or when he resigned. The problem isn't a feral press. So I'm mean, always liking the press to maggots. I'm sure Adam won't like this analogy. But that, in the same way that maggots will eat dead flesh, so, they can be you know, used in health service. They're used by the NHS to get rid of dead flesh. There's nothing wrong with the, the, the press being a bit wild and going after public figures, regardless of their political background, in an equal way if there's any wrongdoing or any conflict of interest. We have attained you know, I compare them to you know, Lord of the Rings, you know, have these wraiths, these seven men, I think, or the nine, that Nazgul, who are being sort of caught up by the wicked Lord Sauron and completely subordinate to his will. Sometimes I feel that's what the press is like. I don't know whose will they're subordinate to, their proprietors or whoever their placement is in Parliament or in number 10. But, you know, the fact the press have a lot of fear and favour in them, they're not the immune system which uh, like maggots attacks dead flesh they have an agenda they have an interest which they keep hidden from the public is 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 terrifying and uh sort of the ultimate expression i think of cronyism and oligarchy
0: and adam finally have the times said anything no Times
1: are not making any any comment on the record um and just just to follow on from what, what what peter was was saying um, Alistair Campbell, Tony Blair's former spokes, uh, spokesman, has said that, you know, if this was a Labour prime minister and this this story emerged, undoubtedly it would be the case that we'd be seeing a lot more about this. And I think that's that's undoubtedly true. I think you, it would be splashed all across the Daily Telegraph, the Daily Mail, the Sun. And I think the BBC would then feel compelled to, to follow up and we'd be seeing it on the bulletins as well. Um, but because of how how slanted the uh, parts of the press are against um are in favor of the the prime minister i think that's what this this story is getting a lot less coverage than it otherwise would do and i think just the fact that the the downstreet aren't you know haven't even officially denied it i think it's undoubtedly the case that if this were a labor prime minister we would, this would be a major major story which would be leading the bulletins for days if not weeks
0: Yeah. Alistair Campbell tweeting that this is further evidence that much of our media is essentially an extension of the press office of a liar, referencing Boris Johnson. And he also said that the Times owner, Rupert Murdoch, has done so much damage to journalism. Thanks to Adam. Thanks to Peter. If you want to support journalism that is free and is fearless, please think about taking out a subscription to the byline times which not only funds a brilliant monthly newspaper that you'll get dropping through your letterbox it also helps to fund byline tv this podcast byline radio and so much more as well so check out our website bylinetimes.com for details of how to subscribe thanks very much indeed to peter thanks very much indeed to adam i'm adrian goldberg this has been the byline times podcast we'll see you again soon thank you